This episode of 1801 Live was originally recorded during a 12-hour podcast-a-thon streamed live on August 28th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. The Give Black Podcast-a-thon benefited U of SC's One Creed, One Carolina campaign, which supports initiatives that elevate and encourage black students, faculty, and staff. Together, our five hosts and over 20 guests helped raise more than $10,000 for the campaign over 12 hours. Find more information on the podcast-a-thon and the link to donate at www.garnetmedia.org slash giveblack. All right, so now we're going to admit our next co-host and then soon after, admit our next guest. Hello, oh my gosh. And the queen with the hair and the, yes, she's here, guys. The Lauren Harper. Hair is a little questionable today, but we are here. It's flowing. It's flowing. Okay, so we have a quick turnaround because I know our first guest is in the waiting room, but I want everyone to get a brief introduction of you. And then after I think two guests, we will have a 30 minute slot to talk, just me and you. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. So if you could just introduce yourself and then I will let in our first guest. Awesome. Hi, guys. My name is Lauren Harper, and I have a political and public affairs consulting firm called City Bright. Um, I am a 2016 graduate of the University of South Carolina, where I study public relations. And yeah, I'm happy to be with the beautiful Hannah White today. Oh, gosh. Get excited. All right. So our first guest is the Megan Pinkney. I know she's a great friend of yours. Yeah. Uh, so I was really excited to see you. Are you ready? Yep. Let's go. Oh my gosh, the aesthetic. <laughs> Let me get this backdrop, Meg. Is this real? Hello. Sorry. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Your background is everything. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I'm in my office. So this is where I spend most of my time, actually. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. Hi, Megan. How are you, beautiful? I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. I haven't seen you in forever, man. I know. I feel like I haven't seen you. We have no one's seen anyone. It's been the weirdest, like, six months of life, right? Bye. Oh, oh, me, me and Megan were supposed to do lunch, like, right before COVID. So we have this, like, seven-month lunch rain check right now. <laughs> Absolutely, but we're gonna have we're definitely gonna get on that. But I mean, it's just when is normal gonna come back? What is normal gonna look like? Is there going to be an, an I don't know, what is the new normal? So it's it's crazy. But how's y'all's morning been? How's the podcast going? It's been great. We just had our transition, so you are actually the first guest with the dynamic duo of Hannah and Lauren. And Right now, we have raised $1,520, and matching. we have a matching gift of $2,000. So up to $2,000 will be doubled for now, $4,000. So very excited. Um, that was, that's around, I mean, I didn't want to tell yeah. anyone, but that's around the goal I had for the whole day. And so I'm already kind of mind blown that it's just 10 a.m. So we're doing well, we're doing well. Yes. So what are you planning to use these funds for on campus? Yes. So all these funds are going towards the One Creed, One Carolina campaign. And this is a campaign that uh, promotes programs that helps amplify um, Black students and their voices. And so there are a variety of different programs that you choose from, whether 
its scholarship, like the Richard T. Greener Scholarship or the McFadden Scholarship, all the way to uh, diversity and inclusion um, positions within each department and even um, the Office of Multicultural Student Affairs. And so a variety of programs, outlets, resources, and scholarships all for Black students at the university. Okay. I hope that this is going towards the AAAS cookout too, because... And see, you know, AMSA is over that. So it is definitely going yes. to the Let's cookout. You know, all of it. Everything you can think of that is connected to Black students, they are benefiting from what we're doing. Fantastic. <laughs> but I would love for you just to give um, a brief introduction of yourself and then I'll go well Lauren and I will go deep into your experience at the university and all that you do now. Absolutely. Um, so I am a 2014 graduate of the university. Um, I'm a proud Gamecock. I still rep that, <laughs> still rep that city. I mean, that um, school as if I'm still there. But I studied fashion merchandising. I came in as a print journalist um, student and quickly realized that that probably did, was not going to make sense in like a long-term career and kind of ended up in fashion merchandising. Um, and wasn't exactly sure how I was gonna really build that career. But I, um, I spent a lot of time, I grew up dancing. So I started off in the, on the dance team at school. Um, so that was kind of like my freshman year. It was like all sports, like attending like almost every game doing dance routines um, and really just celebrating the school. So that was really like my introduction to Carolina. <laughs> I love it. So I actually did not know that you were on the dance team. That is pretty cool. How was that? It was a great experience. I only did it for my freshman year because it was so taxing. But it's interesting because I was the first African-American on that team. And it was like, it really wasn't a big deal. Like I had danced my whole life. And it wasn't something that I think that they even had recognized until I was on the team. And I was like, oh, we have a black girl. And since they have had several, and I love to see it. Like, I love watching their routines and, like, seeing brown girls on that squad because I remember when I was the only one. But, yeah, it was it was a great experience. It really was. You were the first black woman on the USC dance team. Well, mind you, this was the Carolina girls dance team. So there are the Coquettes, which are part of the band. And that dance team, I'm sure, had experience, um, had, like, had other women of color but our program was fairly new at that point it had only been around for like a decade which you know in the school's history it was fairly new and yeah i was the first african-american on that dance team that is that is amazing i mean it's crazy that it was so like you said that you graduated in 20 so that was right out of high school so that was 2009 that was that's so relatively recent that's yeah. Oh my gosh. My line sister actually, shout out Madison Murphy. She is on the Carolina dance team right hey, now. And I so love to see it. We yes. have some representation now. No, and like it was, it's a great squad and it had like a lot of awesome women, but it was interesting because, but honestly, in that space, there aren't a lot of women of color. And I, growing up in that space, I was typically the only black girl in like around me, at least in that level with like 14 or 15 other girls. So it's, it's not a rare occurrence. Like it's not completely unheard of, which is something that I've spent my time recently trying to change. Like I'm a part of, um, 
the Columbia City Ballet. And I have tr tried to make a concerted effort to see more diversity and not just on the stage, but like in all opportunities of the arts, because I think that that is a place where we are underrepresented and could tell our stories. So, Megan, I, um, I used to see you at city council meetings all the time for the ballet. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, the importance of serving on local boards, um, particularly in the arts and stuff like that? Absolutely. I think that it really goes back to the idea of like having a seat at the table, whatever that table is, because your, your experiences, your stories, your thoughts, they affect like decisions and we all come from completely different things. And if a table, whether it is <laughs> for me, um, a boardroom, only has one type of individual, whether that's all male, whether that's all you know, one race, one religion, whatever, the perspective of that organization is going to be from that point of view. And I think that if you're a company, if you are an organization, if you're a concept, whatever it is, you're supposed to be a thought and idea and not represent just one group of people. And you're right, the importance of, ha of having a, a diverse board, like I said, just really changes the perspective of decisions that are made. I mean, like right now we are having true talks about, I, I, one of the things that I'm pushing for is to say like, it's important to see people like women of color in ballet, but like that, that's not a, a decision that you make at like 22, like, oh, I'm gonna be a ballerina. That's something that women train for starting at like, age. I think I took my first ballet lesson at like three. And I didn't become a professional. Like I danced from three until 18 and I wasn't a professional. So that's not something that like you just start. So my thing is like, where can we provide assistance starting at a, at a younger age that could feed into our program? That is a career, but it has to start much earlier. So how can we affect that? And that's something that they never thought of. Like how can we assist in people who need who may not be able to, like, may not have seen it or have access to it or be able to afford it. It's a, it's an, it's a luxury. Like, practice is a, it's a luxury. So I feel like because of my experience and my voice and that power in that position of having a, you know, a board seat, it's giving them a different perspective in how they can affect their community while still benefiting them, while creating dancers for them, you know? Absolutely. That perspective is so valuable. Yes, very vital. And I just want to turn it a little bit, the conversation towards your experience. I know that you were a former, or you are a former Miss South Carolina. So just how did you get involved with pageants, pageantry, and um, become Miss South Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something that I started back in high school. Um, and it was kind of a random thing. Pageants also like dance is something that women train for at a very young age and end up, um, you know, mastering when they are a little older. And that was not my, you know, my sense. I started in high school and in South Carolina, that was like, I was way, way, way like further behind everyone else. Um, at any rate, I became Miss South Carolina Teen USA my freshman year in college um, while I was on the dance team. So that was like a really interesting time in life. Um, and really just enjoyed 
representing a state that I don't feel like looks like me. When people think of that state, I don't think that people think of my face. And I think that they were always surprised just for my background, my experience, and from that location of which I came. And I always loved having, putting a new face, I guess, to to change the narrative of a place that I have always called home, that I have only ever called home, that I only know. And um, after going to Miss Teen USA and really not doing well, I enjoyed it so much that I um, decided that I wanted to go to Miss USA. So I competed um, and won Miss South Carolina USA and spent the year really traveling the state, like really immersing myself in like organizations throughout the state that like, just spread across so many different industries and was able to like really honestly get to know places in the state that I'd never seen, um, discover things that I didn't even know it could exist here. And I think during that time, during that year, I fell more in love with the state than I had ever before. Um, and I did finish at Miss USA in the top five, and it was something that my state felt really proud about. So to represent a state that I felt like I had gotten to know so well, um, that like I said, I did call home, but that I was never to be that proud of me in that sense. It was like it was it was just like a true accomplishment and something that um, that really did mean a lot. But it's so funny because that entire process, like me being Miss South Carolina, is funny enough, like why I have the career that I do now, which is so insane because my job like did not exist 10 or even five years ago. And I realized that I was able to build that from my experiences as Miss South Carolina USA. And honestly, my fashion merchandising like background that I got at Carolina, because I feel like I took the business aspect of like how to run a retail store, a fashion like retail store and mixed it with the platform that beauty pageants have the the effect that a superficial beauty has on people and the realization that if you can get people interested visually you can sell them a product a message a concept a belief but you have to start with something pretty and and it's not right it's not but i figured out how to use that to my advantage and funny enough it's really interesting because i feel like things all collided at a certain, like all together. But I was the first Miss South Carolina because obviously there were several before me, um, but I was the first one to have an Instagram account, which now that's kind of funny to think because of course, as a beauty, like a beauty queen, you would have an Instagram account, you know? But that was really when that stuff was kicking off. Like my first Instagram account was in 2012 and I won in 2013. So my class, the class of 2013 was the first time that we integrated that social media platform with a beauty platform that was really trying to promote like volunteerism, promote, um, donorship, but also promote clothes and fashion. And like I said, that's kind of what I do now in terms of like content development and influencing and blogging. It's really like what I learned in that year of how to, pro how to use myself and beauty to promote whatever it is that someone needs promoting. <laughs> I love it. And I just love your story to where even though you, um, went and you were involved in the J school for one thing, it kind of turned from that and your experiences you've had all throughout high school and college to pursuing the thing that you love most. And so can you talk a little bit about 
that thought process in your head. I know many college students, um, I can test that even my friends and I always talk about what's next, what should we do? I don't have X, Y, Z plans in order to be successful. So am I gonna make it or am I not? So how is it for you? Or how did you go through that process to do now what you love to do? Yeah, no, I know that feeling very well. I really do. And it's so funny because I'm the type of person where like, I like for things to be planned. Like I think I like for things to be thought out and like <laughs> discussed and like figured out and worked towards like a goal. And from middle school until college, I had a goal. And my goal was to write for Vogue. And it's interesting because like, that was why I went into print journalism. That was why, because I was like focused. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is the step. And it's so funny because had I graduated with a print journalism degree, please tell me like what I would be doing. It was legit a print journalism degree because I wanted to write for Vogue. So I was like, that's how you do it. Like, that's how you do it. And it's funny because like, who in 2009 would have decided that like, in five years, that program does not exist at Carolina anymore. It literally does not exist. And I was like so focused on like how things had to happen that when it like didn't happen that way, I was like, what am I going to do? And it's so funny because I remember having a conversation with someone who was much older than me and she was like, it, it works out. Like it works out and you can't explain it. And it's like, I can look back and figure out how I ended up where I was, but I promise you, as I was getting there, there was no route. There was no plan. There was no like, there were no like building blocks for me to be like, okay, I've, I've accomplished this. I can cross this off my to-do list. Now I'm getting here. I literally made it up as I went. And I know that that's not the like, it's not easy to follow that track. And I know it's so hard to like take that leap and go, oh my God, I'm just, I just have to move forward. But like, it has to work out. You have no choice but to let it work out. And I just feel like if I could tell like my younger self anything, it'd be like to relax and like enjoy the ride a little more because like it's, it's flowing you like whatever you need to do. Like it's going to take you there wherever you need to go. So I know it's, it's such a crazy feeling. My girl is spitting the facts right now. That's so true. College kids, it doesn't work out the way you always think it does. No. And I mean, I think it goes back to like, our timing versus God's timing. And like, he already knows what he's doing. And like, you are literally on his ride. So like, you can just be affected by it, but you are not in control of it. You're not in control of it. Because what I tried to control, if I was, if I were trying to control that, like this didn't, what I'm doing did not exist. It didn't exist. And I didn't create it. Like I didn't have this like brilliant idea where I was like, you know what? I'm going to sell products on Instagram. I didn't decide that. It just happened and it like my experiences allowed me to get to that point and it's like the world is constantly changing and that's what the last six months has told has told me but if we thought the last five years changed rapidly can you imagine what the next five years are gonna look like because we wait now from like couldn't this meeting have been in an email to a meeting literally being in an email like there is no like there is so like very few reasons to like need to meet up with someone that is going to change the world. So like the idea, the track that you want to be on right now is going to like have so many twists and turns between like now and the next five years. And the truth is like, you have to redefine success because we have this idea that success is a job and it's not. Like it's not like a career. It's like 
a space of happiness in your life. And unfortunately, there is a, a certain amount of money that like, because you don't want to have to worry about things. Like, so I get that you do have to have a certain amount of money, but like success is not a career. It is like at peace with yourself and the things around you. And I feel like that's another thing that as a society, we just like need to I don't know, refocus ourselves on because I think that gives us all a lot of anxiety because we're always going to like be moving. Everything's going to change. Like there's always going to be a direction for like career and whatnot, but you can't, you can't base yourself off of that, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> and then off of that, I know that we're all here to raise money for the one Creed one Carolina campaign. Um, a campaign that supports programs that uplift black students and just the black members of the community at U of SC. So if you could talk a little bit about um, what, how the importance of these programs are to the community, especially during this time. And even if you have any experiences, I know you mentioned the AAAS cookout, which is a yeah. crucial event. No, I really want to go back to that because like, it's kind of like a joke and just in terms of like, cause it's a cookout, but that is, it's really important. It really is because it's an opportunity. I freshman year, I mean, like it was the opportunity to really like take a look around and see the other people of color on that campus that honestly get lost. There are tens of thousands of people walking around that campus at all times. And what 30% of them are identified as African-American. Like the, you would get lost in that, in that moment, in that like specific event to have everyone come together and for you to literally look around and see like, okay, like this is my community. And I think back to those cookouts because I attended literally every year, I'm sure. And those are, those were the, that was the instance where I met people that I still keep in contact today that are part of my network. Because at the end of the day, like, again, when we're redefining success, it's not a career, it's your network. It's who you know and how you're able to connect with those people and how that is able to fulfill you in a career or your soul or an opportunity or something fun, whatever, but your network is it. And I, like I said, I look back in that specific instance is how I've, I've created a network. And these are people who also graduated from USC who also have great careers, who have also gone off onto different places in the country, who I now have feelers with that I wouldn't that I would not have probably met had it not been for that cookout. Because think about how what are like other situations where like those groups of people are just gathering for a sense to gather, like for no other reason. So I do think programs like that are extremely, extremely important, especially for marginalized like communities so that we feel like we do have a community. Like we are a part of something that is bigger than us because if we're being realistic, like in terms of that, our, our school's like history, we have not been there for very long. Like we're still building our community. And like I said, when you look around, like those are the people who you are doing it with because we have to be proud of it. We have to, we're there. We have to be excited about it. But we also have to show that we're there. And I think the best way to do that is through the, like a networking, like, I don't know, just building like relationships. That's so true. The network is so huge. And like you said, I have a lot of people that I know from USC who I'm connected to now, and I never would have been able to have access to them or even have a relationship with them had I not met them through a lot of these homes programs. And they're all doing awesome things. Like USC is slept on sometimes. We have some really notable alumni. So um, you're absolutely right. We, we are able to connect with people just because of those 
simple social gatherings. They are not so simple. Exactly. 100% takes a lot of uh, strategic planning and funds. And so that is nothing else you get from this. What takes what we're all doing, the experiences that we love, that we remember down the line, when we come back as alumni and everything, it's funds and strategic planning by faculty and staff and administrators. But with that, before uh, you have to leave, Megan, if you have any other advice, not just for students, especially during this time, but also just for the uh, wide community that's watching this podcast right now. Absolutely. So I think that, especially for students in this time, because there's so much uncertainty and I think everyone is willing to try something new that what I wish that someone would have told me even right after school is to work for free, is to get experience and to like, really delve into whatever it is that you're interested in because the information that you can learn from doing something like that is so vital and once you get past a certain time like if lauren and i showed up to a company and was like hey we want to volunteer our time and have you teach us everything you know they'd be like no they would they, 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 there's like a window of time where you can do that and to be able to discover if you really like something before you like sign that contract and have to do it day in and day out and rely on it to like pay your bills and survive so i would just say like take this time to like delve into whatever that thought is that you may have and like i said from my time it was like creating a blog that seems so silly to me i was like why am i going to create a website like no one's going to read it like no one really cares and like for a while no one really read it and no one really cared but like eventually it because I like put time and like effort into it it blossomed into something different and I guess all I'm saying is that like that took me a lot of time a lot of effort and for a long time I made no money off of it and whatever it is like just take this time where there isn't a lot going on unfortunately life is not normal unfortunately and really like ex like get experience because we laugh about how I mean, I feel like I just posted something the other day where it was like, people want, <laughs> like, on their resume, they want, like, 15 years of social media experience. And you're looking around, like, who has 15 years of social media experience? Like, Tom from MySpace. Like, that's what you want. Like, you want Tom from MySpace. Because... I've only had an Instagram for like five years, calm down, you know? But I'm just saying like, you can put that stuff on your resume and it really does like expand who you are and like your layers and what people feel like they can develop you into, what role they can develop you into. And if you can show that you've done that under some kind of structural umbrella, like another company, even though it's not a job, it really would like, I think, give you a springboard when things start to recover. Thank you so, so, so much for um, chatting with us today and all of the advice. And thank you just for coming on supporting this bigger, um, bigger thing that's bigger than us. So the One Create One Carolina campaign. I know that you've been promoting it on your social media. If you guys do not follow Megan Pinkney, you should, has one of the best um, feeds I have ever seen, but if you can continue to use your platform to promote this special event, and if you have the willingness to donate, um, any and everything counts, and so I'm telling all of my guests um, or encouraging them to do whatever they can possible, whether it's through their outreach or even through funds. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, I hope you have a great day again. Thank you. I know that you guys have not 
had to um, have your lunch date yet, but this is a great way to catch up in the meantime. <laughs> it was. I'll see you soon, Meg. <laughs> thanks, ladies, for having me. Thank you, Megan. Have Bye. a great day. You too. All right. So that was the first guest. How was it? It was your first guest on the podcast, Asan. <laughs> great. What a great conversation. Megan is so awesome. I feel like I was just in the conversation of like you guys catch it was cool seeing kind of the relationship between you guys catching up and then even her advice of you're not gonna know everything, everything's not gonna be set out in stone. It's crazy because I'm like, uh, Lauren has told me this on just one-on-one talks with me. And so Don't and, listen and, to Lauren. If you get if you don't listen to Lauren, listen to Megan. Hot dog. Hot dog. You